0: Welcome to the Needle Jig Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11, with Billy Spacey Lyons, Part 1. I'm Mark, I own Needle Jig, and you can often find me recording videos on YouTube, but uh, now we're releasing a lot of those audios here on Wednesday mornings. We put this show together for tattooers, serious tattoo enthusiasts, uh, apprentices, and the like, but please always remember that you cannot learn how to tattoo from a podcast or a video or even you know, just, just reading crap online, so remember that. I'm hoping that you guys are gonna like Billy just as much as I do, so sit back and enjoy this episode. A huge thank you to all of our viewers, listeners, and as most of all, the Needlejig clients that have supported us throughout the years. Please take a minute to leave your comments in the podcast reviews, and if you need us for anything else, hit us up at cs@needlejig.com. Now let's talk tattoo with Billy Spacey Lyons. We have an unexpected guest, Mr. Guy Atchison, uh, decided to, uh, pipe in and say hello. So, um, man needs no introduction, but, uh, let's hear what Guy has to say this morning.
1: Hey guys, thanks for, uh, for having me on. I just wanted to, you know, uh, let you know how much I appreciate you, uh, broadcasting through Reinventing the Tattoo and, and, uh, we're really excited to get content like this, uh, on our channel and, uh people in the industry interviewing each other and showing off each other's work, uh, you know, promoting their and others work, you know, it's, uh, this, this is what's made tattooing strong is the fact that we aren't just an industry. We're a community as well. And that, uh, you know, it's this kind of connection that allows us to be able to build each other. Um, and Billy, thanks for joining us. Billy and I were just talking about New Orleans. Uh, I guested down there and a uh, Jackie Gresham's uh, shop probably in 1991 or something like that. And Jackie is uh, the one who apprenticed Billy. And uh, he's about to get interviewed by Mark here. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be loaded with history. I'm going to put it on audio while I go and set up the tattoo studio. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys both for, for coming here and uh, um, creating this kind of awesome material. Uh, and uh, I look forward to hearing what you guys have to talk about.
0: Very cool. Thanks, Guy, for joining us. Uh, you're always an inspiration. And, uh, yeah, Matt, you're welcome anytime. And uh, thanks for having us.
2: It's nice to talk to you, man. I'm all interested. All you. <laughs> yeah,
1: good meeting you, Billy. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to actually move over to the app and give this a listen now.
0: Okay, cool, man. Right on. Thanks again, guy. All right, Billy, man, how you doing Thank this you. morning?
2: I'm doing great, man. It's a nice uh, morning over here in Mississippi land.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, a little warmer down there than it is here. We're, we're, we're sub-freezing. It's cold and so.
2: really hot. So you, you, leave, you leave with shorts on, but you bring a pair of uh, jeans and a jacket, and then... I mean, it's
0: just very, this place is very unpredictable. Uh, New England, you know, like you never know whether you either want to be on the boat or the uh, snowmobile, but uh, anyways, I, I, Billy, you know me, I try not to do too much of like the interview type of thing. I really like to uh, just kind of sit back and shoot the shit with old friends and, you know, talk a little bit about tattooing history, you know, where, where we've been, hopefully maybe try and anticipate where we're going to. Uh, you sir have quite a bit of history for a not a very old man. So uh, you're an accomplished tattooer, uh, motorcycle builder, uh, musician, uh, writer, uh, write for popular magazine, uh, uh, and now you're adding actor. So uh, to me, that's I'm the kind of guy that does an awful lot. But you know, you kind of put me to shame there with the many different careers. So a uh, guy was just saying you had apprenticed under Jackie and uh, I wasn't sure if that was the case or she just became a mentor in your early years. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your beginning?
2: Well, I, um, I started out, I started out. Uh, I didn't have any tattoos and I never wanted them. I grew up in a uh, Salvation Army. My parents were Salvation Army preachers and I grew up in that environment. And that environment cultivated music and uh, and speaking to people and helping people. So I I got like a, a sense of business, how to be like at an early age. And I, I got a very great musical education. I learned to play uh, any instrument that I wanted to. So uh, I started out with uh, brass instruments, and I ended up uh, playing guitar. And, uh, of course, I heard rock music for the first time. So, I, you know, I'm... From that, that time on, music was my thing, man. Um, I got to school. I realized that school was not my thing, and I, I developed my drawing talent. So I, although I made straight Fs in school at times, I, I made straight A's in my mind with drawing because I, I envisioned what I wanted to be in life, and then i draw that. So I drew myself in various situations, but, you know, I'm tried sports and workout, it wasn't my thing. Running, I I really took to that, but that's not a team sport, so I never got the team thing. I was always, you know, doing my own thing. And um, I got into bicycles, I freestyled everywhere. I'd play hooky from school, I'd run away from home for a day or so and ride miles and miles and miles doing freestyling and trick bike riding. And um, you know, I discovered motorcycles for the first time. I was like going to, to the um, corner store, and then I heard this big rumble outside. and I had a gallon of milk, and I had a slushy in the other hand. I ran out the door, and I saw like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of dirty, scary bikers. Man, and I, I was like, wow, that's amazing! And I dropped the milk and exploded. And I, my dad was gonna kick my butt, so I somehow managed to scrape enough to get some milk back, but um, and get that home. But that motorcycle thing got to me, so. Later in life, uh, I, I peeled around with bikes here and there and never really committed to them, stayed with freestyling and all, and um, ran away from home with a guitar, and I went to New Orleans. I, I lived in Streetport at the time, and I went to New Orleans, and I uh, lived down there on the streets for about three or four years, and uh, I had a bicycle, I had my guitar, and I had a Bible, and that's what pretty much kept me safe those years, and... Um, after a while, I ventured up to Mississippi and I began working for PV Electronics and I was uh, going to be an artist there. Well, when I got there, this is about 89, mm, I had a green Mohawk and, uh, you know, pretty much looked like, you know, I was punk rock. I was original gutter punk back then, but we had style. We looked like, you know, hobos or nothing. But so basically I went and applied for this job to be uh, in an artist as an artist for them and uh, being in Mississippi at the time, I did not fit in and they weren't having it. So they kicked me out of the building. And I uh, I was living in the army there and I went around, I heard a band playing and I went around the corner and I heard his band playing. It was like playing like, you know, heavy metal like Testament and stuff like that. And um, I was like, wow, there's a metal band in Mississippi. So I went around the corner and I saw this guy on the porch, and um, he was a Native American like me. And I said, hey, man, uh, what kind of Indian are you? And he said to me, well, what kind of Indian are you? And I was like, damn, man, I guess I found friends, man, you know, that I can identify with. So I ended up moving to the reservation and living there for a while. And we started uh, messing around with tattoos and all. And I, what, what, I, what drew me to tattoos was, you know, my heritage. I'm, I'm a Cherokee. And uh, we ta- heavily tattooed ourselves. So fast forward, uh, years later and, uh, living in a van playing music all over the South and, and my band. Um, I realized if I wanted to get somewhere, I needed money and, uh, and I needed it fast. I need, I need money. I needed steady money. I needed quick money. So I, I knew that being a uh, criminal was probably not, uh, my forte or anything like that. So, uh, I was like, what can I do to make a living and what can I do to really get somewhere in life quickly? And I said, well, I'm the best thing I could do is I'm an artist, man, you know, cause making money music was what I wanted to do and it wasn't happening. So one well, of my brothers said, Hey, why don't you do tattoos? I was like, tattoos? I don't think so, man. I don't think that's me, man. You know, I didn't want people to touch me and, uh, especially living on the streets. Now it's real. Don't touch me. kind of guy, you know? So, uh, I gave it some thought, uh, I didn't have any money to get any tattoo equipment, so I went to a local uh, security tattoo guy. And it was this old biker guy named Junior. And you can imagine with the name on Junior that he's a big security PMFer, man. And, and uh, he pretty much told me that I can get tattoo equipment out of back of tattoo magazines. So I tracked one down and I got me a hooks spawning set up. Uh, I used my money from uh, going to college and uh, then I became a tattoo artist. So for three years, I just you know, I studied. I read A to Z a hundred and thousand times. So I imagined tattooing and tattooing my mind. So I worked it out everything in my head. So when I got my kit and uh, all that, I it just seemed natural to me. I I just could do it. You know, back then, you know, we didn't have YouTube or anything like that. So a book was the best thing you could have, and that book was awesome back then. So I tattooed with this book next to me for about three years, and I realized that. I don't feel like a tattoo artist. I don't feel like I'm a tattooer at all. So I was like, I got, I got to go learn from someone and submit myself and find an apprentice. But I knew that the junior type was not for me because uh, they would beat me up, and I didn't want to get beat up. I wanted to be a lover and not a fighter, you know. So, uh, I, I all these magazines. I remember seeing Judy Parker standing there. I remember seeing God. He was in a, you know, back in tattoo back in the day and. Uh, I studied those those books uh, with microscope. You know, I mean, I really mulled over them. But I kept seeing this person's name Jackie, and I wasn't sure if Jackie was a man or woman because you know I'm I'm part French too, and you know men are named Jackie too. So, some kept telling me you need to go talk to this person. This is the person for you to help you get where you need to go. So finally, I did. I, I rode back down there to New Orleans and. Uh, I walked in the shop down on uh, Rampart, and I walked in the door, and there was this fella named uh, Ali there. Well, I thought he was Jackie because he had an English accent, and he looked like he was foreign, and all that. So I said, uh, "Hey, man, uh, is your name Jackie?" He said, "Hell no, she's down there on Ninth uh, Street. I mean, uh, on down on uh, you know Saint Claude, you know, at the other shop." So I was like, "Oh shit!" I took everything I could to walk in this tattoo shop, you know, and. To say, hey, let me do tattoos, please. You know, so so I go all the way down to St. Claude and uh, and then I'm in the ninth ward. So this is not, you know, if you've been to New Orleans, you know it can get rough real quick. So I'm in the worst part that I can imagine in New Orleans. I get out of my car, walk in this door, and there's like 150 uh, black people in there, all getting tattooed, waiting to get tattooed, or getting names on all day long. Man, it's like. Um, the, the deal there was that, uh, you get a uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, you get a name for $25 and you get a free tattoo with it. So people saw a free tattoo, they go in there and you get this cursive name, which I have right, right there. You can see them. These are the cursive style names that Jackie did. And, uh, this is like early 90s. So this is Jackie's deal, man. Now i am telling you what, I tattoo like 80 names a day at 15% and I made money man and I did that three times a week and I loved it I didn't give a crap but uh, but anyway I remember going in there and I was like oh uh-uh, I'm shaking I'm scared I don't know what to do in there um, because I hear this lady barking orders and all that and, and I see her and I'm like there's this six foot three or you know mocha colored uh, beautiful lady there you look like Marie Laveau. She's got this thing going on, like this voodoo thing going on. I was like, oh, God, I got to talk to her. <laughs> so I showed her my portfolio, and she says, uh, I said, uh, she's like, uh-huh, and all that, looking at it. And, and I was like, mm, I like that, but that was like crap. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? I said, please, ma'am, can I please just hang around, and I'll sweep the floor or whatever, I'll, I'll mop up or whatever you want to do. She says, no, i got somebody to do that, but you be back here in two days, and I'll put you to work. I was like, Yes. So I came back and that was my, my, the first, the first meeting with her. And i tell you what, I worked for seven years and she took me around. I got to meet Judy Parker and some of the great people, Mel the head. I don't know if people know about that guy, but he's just really colorful characters. Mel the head did the motor city uh, show years ago in Cobo Hall. And then I got to meet Billy Tenney. I got to meet uh, all the great people, man. I mean, I can sit here and name on name, name them, man. Um, uh, all of a sudden, I was thrust into this greatness with tattooing, and I, the guys that I grew up with uh, working at, at that shop down there, they were amazing artists. We drew everything, and we drew it and drew it and drew it. You know, we, we'd do flash off the walls, and uh, we, we'd always, we, it was a big contest and all that, you know. But uh, that, was the real, that was the real good time of tattooing in the 90s were. You know, the money was good. Uh, it was real competitive. Everybody's excited about it. There was no these the big head thing. wasn't really a thing like like it is now. It wasn't a fashion show. It was a tattoo show, you know. But um, yeah. I did my time there. Um, anybody can tell you if they work for Jackie? Uh, she she demands excellence. There's no other thing that you can do but be excellent there. And if you ain't, get the hell out of the building and come back when you are ready to be excellent. Yeah. Um, now,
0: what year was it you started with Jackie?
2: I think I started with her and. 95, okay. yeah, 93 is when I started, I, I, I went into business in 93 as uh, Mississippi Dermographics and I try to sound intelligent, you know, <laughs> I, I, I thought I made the name up, you know, I just put the two words together, as like Dermographics, hmm, that sounds like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> so I went into business in 93 and uh, I get phone calls, people ask me if I can do maps for them, of their house or whatever and i was like what <laughs> they thought i was talking about you know uh, map making which demographics and i was like no nah, that's thermographics man you know but um <laughs> would you want to tattoo instead Of like a tattoo
0: a globe on your skin <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah for sure i've been i've been in business a uh, little around 27 years now
0: yeah uh, we're getting uh, old you, you,
2: think, you think so, but our souls don't, our souls are always here and our souls never really, they, they we just keep accumulating, uh, you know, these, these experiences we're having just like we are now, you know? And uh, so I feel like uh, even though our bodies get old and our minds don't get old with them, you know? Like you see a lot of people that make a hundred, man, and they're, they're sharp, you know?
0: Yeah. No, we were talking the other day uh, a little bit about like having so many different interests and whatnot, and uh, and it's kind of cool because the you know the business we're in can allow us to have a lot more free time, you know, than you know your average John Doe or whatever to pursue other interests and stuff. So, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that you've been pretty successful in, in each of your ventures. It's uh, most people can't do that, you know, they either got to lock down on one or, you know, some people can maybe juggle too, but, uh, you know, you, you've, you've managed to, uh, do a lot more than most here. So, all right. So you, you, we know a little bit about your, your tattooing start and, uh, how did you get into bike building and then that part of your life and, and, uh, tell all us about your writing.
2: All right. I had a great friend of mine. Uh, uh, he was working for me for a while. He's an older cat. He was one of, uh, he learned machine building from, uh um, Paul Rogers, his name's uh, Mickey Nichols and uh, Mick Nichols lives down on the coast. He's, he's, he's a biker man, he's been, he grew up in the duration for me back when it was scary, dangerous and he, he tattooed down there on the coast, he tattooed in uh, Slidell or, well, just about anywhere in New Orleans area or in lower Louisiana, uh, when it was dangerous, you know, like the junior guy, he had to work with those kind of guys, but. But that never, ever changed to him. Uh, his first experience was getting tattooed at 14 or so. He lied and got an army and then he was in an India. and got tattooed on the back. Well, anyway, uh, he was working for me and uh, up in here in Meridian and uh, he had a bunch of uh, old uh, Iron Horse magazines and I was, of course, drawn to them because, you know, I'm, I always had this infatuation with motorcycles, even though I Never really took the plunge in it, and, uh, so I kept stealing his magazines and, and reading them just like I did tattoo magazines. I started scouring them and seeing what's going on and how they're doing them and why why they do this and that. And uh, one day he's like, "Hey, dude, uh, somebody gave me a Honda Sh- a Honda Seven Fifty Four. Do you want it? Because uh, then you can stop stealing my magazines." So I was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." <laughs> so uh, Still CB
0: Seven Fifties.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Oh so yeah. I- Worked on one of those for a while.
2: You know what I? Uh, I rode it around for about six months, and I had the thing tore it completely apart. And uh, I didn't know what to do with it. I know I wanted to chop it. I wanted to chop it up and make it something like mine. Uh, so um, I started scouring Harley magazines, and I I uh, I looked and uh, I found I was I, I remember all of them. They were like thirty thousand dollar bikes, type stuff. It was all back when the chopper craze was happening, and, and so I. Uh, I ran across magazine. And it said the horse magazine, backstreet. It said the horse backstreet choppers magazine. And on the front of it, it had a picture of a guy on a Honda, and it said uh, it was uh, chopping a spaghetti bike. And it was written by a good friend of mine now, but then you know his name is uh, Sean XSB Sweeney. and uh, Sean was a uh, he wrote for the magazine back then. And uh, I saw that I was like, man, this is exactly what I'm doing. So I got the magazine, I read it. 35,000 times, and I put my bike together, and uh, so right then, I was hooked on the horse, man. I I got every issue. I did the same thing, got my uh, magnifying glass out, and I studied everything I could about uh, chopping a motorcycle and all that, and you know, with tattooing, you know, we we have a lot of seek time, but then like Coach Pauling says, if ain't no business, and you're feeling like crap, go fishing. Well, what I did instead of go fishing, I would I record music or whatever like that, or, uh, I went ball welder and I taught myself how to weld and I taught myself how to shape steel. And, uh, so when I wasn't tattooing in the back of my tattoo shop came a bike shop and, uh, I started, uh, cutting up gas tanks and stitching them back together. And, uh, I remember, uh, I started using computer a lot more at that time and I, um, uh, I got on the web and I joined uh, back talk forums. That's when forums were kicking ass back then. And uh, basically I, uh, I joined the forum. I started meeting people online and uh, you know, that's basically how it came to be, uh, you know, are we still on or what? <laughs> oh yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Uh,
0: okay, was- <laughs> it's just, the, it- I just like listening to what you're saying, man, because like, uh, I mean, we've known each other you know, what uh, shit.
2: It's got to be 10 years now, I'm thinking. I mean,
0: I'm thinking 12 plus anyways, you know, so it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and just hearing your stories, uh, it's it's truly inspiring and whatnot. So I'm trying not to you know interrupt I, I get a bunch okay. of questions or or things you mentioned i want to run off on some random tangent or, yep. or, or 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 whatnot but i'm actually just enjoying listening and i'm hoping the the viewers are too so
2: well this is one thing i want to say to the viewers or if you're a tattoo artist and uh don't spend all your time sitting in that chair man don't spend all your time drawing you know if you have your skills down and you are a professional now yes always work on your skills but do that when. You know, when it's time to get on stage, you get up there and you do your thing. That's the same thing as tattooing. You're on stage. You're an entertainer also, you know. Uh, and do so real craft. quick,
0: uh,
2: real uh. quick. Uh, speaking of uh, viewers, we've got uh, Adrian is in the uh, chat room there. We have did a, an interview with him recently. Hey, Adrian.
0: Hey, Adrian. How you doing, brother?
2: Uh, we've well, got well. Uh, D. Michelle Leftwich. Hello from Maryland. Dave Yazi. Sup from Amarillo, Texas uh thanks. ryan mistasness uh from maryland uh rasta says might be from uh france
0: hey everybody oh. thanks for joining but uh, back with your inspirational motivational speech there billy
2: okay. <laughs> all right basically what i'm saying is you know like I, I you have a lot of seat time so when you when you can you gotta get out seat man because that seat uh that seat's gonna keep you from living man so you you have nothing else to do, man, you know, do do things that you're passionate about. If you're into, like, like for me, it was, I mean, I'm into creating things. So I mean, I've learned how to cut and weld, I've learned how to shape metal. We know that. I learned how to carve uh, wood carvings. I during Hurricane Katrina, I got out, went, got my chainsaw out, and went to town on hundred-year-old, you know, oak trees and made all these tiki's. And then I started another thing. I started a big show. I threw a uh, halloween show of year called burning tiki man i did it like eight years and um I, I got into writing for the motorcycle magazine and that that job right there took me way far you know i got to i become friends with some of the most famous uh bike builders in the industry like uh bill dodge he's like uh he's one of my mentors and he's one of my close brothers uh he he uh, cut his teeth with the likes of Indy Larry and uh, and Jesse James. He was Jesse James' uh, top guy back in the day. You know, when West Coast shoppers. But uh, you know, digging digging out in your life, or you know, reaching out in your life and different things that you are, you do have with you. It's really your tattooing as well. You know, if you got stories to tell to your clients and that they're true about you, uh, man, I mean, that just makes them more interesting. But you you become interesting to yourself. If that makes sense. You're not just a tattoo artist; you are a multimedia artist. Yeah. You know. You, you know the sky's the limit. You know. Um, well, I
0: don't usually like uh, too many of the uh, the the shows that are you know anything that's written about tattooing or whatever and right and, uh, whatnot and and I didn't even watch that. Uh, I caught clips of that series that you you were in there for a little bit, but I just sat down seeing how we were going to do this. I just sat down and I and I pushed through the whole thing. And I got to say I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Just yeah. uh just like tattoos
2: and turnpikes.
0: Yeah, tattoos and turnpikes, man. It was uh it was fun. It was enjoyable and I like the way it tied in uh you know, I mean, most tattooers out there definitely have an interest in in bikes or the hot rod culture. They definitely have an interest in, in music. And it seems like those three are seriously like intertwined and connected somehow where where you almost can't escape one of them at all you know and I like the way that that little series uh pulled all those in together and uh it was it was a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was gonna be in fact I got to get back in and uh I watched the uh the reunion parts and a few of the other interviews out there because uh, I couldn't
2: make those I was I was still on the road from Sturgis yeah
0: it was uh it was Um. It was, like I said, just a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be, and um, it was very well put together, man. How did you guys get that done? I mean, did you have some big investors? I mean, this couldn't have been something you guys Actually, we did around. have some
2: uh, investors, and uh, they somehow like to be named, not named very much, but, uh, but if you see on the show, you'll see one fellow named Billy a lot. There's a picture of a guy that, that floats, that we carry throughout the show. Uh, Tattoos and Turnpikes is an anti-tattoo show. So, uh, it's a brainchild of, uh, my good friend and brother, uh, big Dave can and, uh, big Dave has the ink spot in Troy, Michigan. He actually has two of them now. And, uh, actually, I think he had an experience, you know, about doing a tattoo show. And of course it's like the bike, the bike shows too. They got silly. They wanted you to have arguments or, uh, some neg- negative deal about someone else and have some big competition and, and in the end, wow. right now, you know, this is nothing like that. There's no acting in it at all, and it's quite the opposite. We don't want all that. Yes, the times there were some testy moments, but it was because of uh, poor choices on the road or danger. You know, we was some real dangerous times when you're riding uh, four guys on a motorcycle uh, for two and a half weeks, and you got all this traffic, and you got rain, you got sleet, you got uh, grandma's driving by you, you know, they can barely see you over the board, you know, and coming in on your lane, you know, things, things like that would happen, but it was about being positive. It was about uh, sharing, you know, like we are now, we're doing like interviews. We wanted to go out there and, uh, and do an unscripted thing. Whatever happened, happened. And we captured it. And there was like times that were like, there's no way that that happened, but it did happen because that's the way life is. Life is unexpected and you laugh and, or you cry or, or you get mad and punch your friend in the nose or whatever. That, that's what Tattoos and Turnpikes was. And I know we caught that. And, uh,
0: the, the problem well, there was, was no drama. That's probably why it wasn't picked up for, you know, any sort of syndication. But uh, I liked it, though. It was good. A lot of people it, check out. turned quite a few people
2: down because of that. They want um, the big detail. I'm not going to give anybody. I'm not going to name any straight up. But you know who the big D is. Uh, they, they wanted us twice. Uh, the first time, you know, they wanted us to they wanted to script the show and uh, Dave said, nah, we're not doing that. And then um, the next time, they wanted us to follow a, an actor around instead of Dave. You know, Dave's our guru, you know, and he is a guru, but they wanted to follow us to follow around an actor off of the what's that biker TV show? We can't mention none of that shit, can we? <laughs> yeah, the ones that are all in <laughs> Yeah,
0: Yeah,
2: they're all like riding and stuff and you know, got the guns and, and, uh, but anyway, one of the guys on that show, they want us to follow him around. They're like, nah, we ain't doing that. That just can't happen. We would beat that guy up. That guy would get beat up. <laughs> I would beat him up. Just to say I did it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but that show, man, it was so positive, man. And, um, uh, the thing about it too is the episodes we have now, they were supposed to be, uh, like a standard, uh, 45 or, or 50 minutes or something, you know, with commercial breaks and all. But, uh, because it was totally self-funded and we we did not, we weren't going to change the show. We wanted to be just like it is. We had to cut it down to the the half segments. So there was so much footage and stuff and so much cool shit that happened. Uh, You know, um, I wish that we could have put it on there, but after watching the entire series and everything on that, I I know we captured what we wanted to and it gave the gist of the show. This is the thing about it, though. Uh, Hollywood and... And us we're different people they want they want they think they know what we want but we do know what we want so when when we put uh, tattoos and turnpikes together I mean we've had nothing but great uh, reviews for it uh, people can relate to it
0: um, well, got I think some- pe- people like <laughs> us we want to we want to show our real worlds and hollywood can't capitalize on that because you know I mean our, our lives are somewhat exciting and and whatnot at times but other times they're they're boring and mundane and, and and it's work and that's what we do so um they can't capitalize on it and if we don't let them capitalize on it then they're not interested and that's you know that's where you, you get that division so going back to the the show for a quick second though now you were not originally like a member of that they were just you know, driving by and you were like a stop along the way. And then you somehow ended up joining the crew for the majority of the rest of the series. Right.
2: Yeah. Basically I Facebook's awesome. I mean, uh, for what's intended to be, what it's used for, that's, that's anybody's (laughs) guess. or you know, as far as that goes, but um, somehow I became friends with Dave. Um, I'm more connected in the motorcycle industry, I think, and, and somewhat in the music industry than I am. In the tattoo industry. But so, and Dave's part of the motorcycle industry too. We all have <clears throat> bike builder friends and uh, and all that. So somehow I became friends with him. I saw his post talking about, you know, he had his bad experience with a TV show and he was thinking about doing his own show. And uh, so I started watching him and all that. And then all of a sudden he really put it together. And that, that's the way Dave is. He puts his mind on something, then it's on the table when it's happening. So um, I saw that he was going. Uh, his route was to uh, start in St. Louis area or Troy. And then he was going to go all the way to, uh, to, uh, Q Argo and then back up and another route back to St. Louis. So I was like, I didn't see that he had really the right people that he could get on a show. So I was like, man, I know all these people, uh, these people that he should get like, uh, Warren Lane, Billy Lane's brother. He's a super motorcycle scientist. Uh, one of, my, one of my childhood friends, too, Gabe Smith, a famous Gabe. He's in Pensacola, Florida. Me and him started tattooing together when we, when we first began. Uh, then uh, I was like, dude, if you're going to do this show and you're coming through uh, Texas and Louisiana, you got to go see my master, Jackie. And so I so basically I started setting him up with these people. And he said, oh, dude, I want to do a show with you, too. So I was like, well, okay uh i'll do one well with you f- for sure and uh because the, you know i'm i even though i'm a tattoo artist i'm really known for being a journalist and uh for the force magazine i'm a writer for them i have a syndicated column for them for 10 years um uh, so uh so I, I told them look i'm gonna meet y'all in New Orleans, and they're like well if you do that we want you to introduce jackie it seemed fitting so that's how it started so i all of a sudden uh um uh, I'm on that on that that show with on with Jackie, which was a great honor. And then uh, my wife Crystal Bloom, she came down. Um, we we met him down there, and then we end up uh, doing the French Quarter with them. And, uh, and if you watch the show, then you see how spacey acts, man. You know, you see how <laughs> uh, you know I lose my card somehow, and some crazy wolf guy finds it, and I have no idea, and I'm already spent like 150 dollars on Gumbo in a restaurant and you know it's just it's a real cool adventure there but so then uh, the next day they ride up to Brittany and I meet them up there we do my show and uh, we're just hitting it off man the whole time their truck explodes they fix it in my my garage Um, I got in my my motorcycle I have a motorcycle shop called Lucky Loser Choppers that also own and operate I build motorcycles out of so they come down there, and we sh- we do the motorcycle thing down there. And uh, I didn't know that they were talking about it. They asked me why they're filming it if I wanted to go ride with them the rest of the way. And I looked at my wife, okay. and I looked at my two boys, uh, Sabian and Michael, and they were like, "Yeah, let's go." So I said, "Yeah, let's go." So the next thing I know, I got on my bike, any giver, and uh, we're we're blasting down the freeway, man. And we head down to see, uh, awesome enough, we go see my buddy uh, Gabe Smith down in Pensacola at Hula Moon. And Gabe is an amazing, amazing artist. He's an amazing painter. He's just always been like that. He's crazy as hell. I know this because I've been crazy as hell with him. Uh, punk rock, he is punk rock. He is the epitome of 90s punk rock. And um but uh, we went down there and we got to do, inter- we interviewed him and it just clicked, man. I've been interviewing people for quite a while with the motorcycle magazines, but getting to, to do it like that where we're tattooing and, and uh, interviewing at the same time, it, it, was just, it was just really awesome. A lot of old stories come out. Uh, let's see, after that, we went to see a fellow named Jeremiah um, and he's down in uh, Jeremiah McCabe. Have you heard him?
0: no no uh i mean the name kind of sounds he's a little familiar but nobody i know personally
2: yeah he's he's, he's we got to see he him he's young young new schooler guy He was down in uh tampa um uh, then we did some you know like we went and saw bill dodge well my, yeah. my, my best friend there and uh the writing all the writing and all that it just worked good this is the thing there was a synopsis to the show and it was uh, you have motorcycles, you have tattoos, and you have music. And why do these three things always show up together? In, in my shop, I'm blasting rock and roll, man. You know, I mean, that, sometimes I do other stuff, too, of course. I mean, I love all music. Uh, but if you're in a tattoo shop, what do you hear? You hear music, you know? Whatever the person's into or the vibe of the shop, that's what's blasting out the music, man. It gets people, in it, you know, blood pumping, you know? <laughs> but um, But then, you know, you go outside and you see a motorcycle or two sitting out in front of them, you know? So they're all three there. And what we did, we said uh, to each person, what do you think brings these three things together? And uh, everybody had kind of the same answer, but their own twist on it. And uh, and it really worked, man. I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a lifetime experience, Mark. I'm, I'm going to tell you, man, uh, we can do it again. We have a season two planned out and we want to go West. We want to do, we want to go to different parts of the country and then probably we like to go over to Canada or to Mexico or, or some other places too. But um, this COVID thing really has kind of put a damper on things. Um, yeah. obviously-
0: it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy world, but like, like back to the three, I, I think it comes down to the fact that, uh, you know, uh, people in each of those groups kind of like to uh, at least bend, if not break the rules at times, you know, we just don't, I've always said that tattooers are, we're a group, we're a community that generally just doesn't fit anywhere else. So that's how we all sort of find each other here. And I, I think musicians and, and bikers kind of fall into the same category where, you know, we, 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 we can't quite live by other people's rules. And, right. and we're, we accept that as each other, you know, we we do bend and break those rules and we're more accepting of that because you know, we don't want anything forced on us. I, uh, that, that's how I look at it, I guess.
2: Well, you know, you, know, you and I both are from that generation, the, the generation four, motorcycle, the motorcycle crowd did rule motorcycle clubs. They did rule uh, the tattoo industry. It was um, a lot of, mainly biker owned. Um, I've got a good friend down there in uh, Daytona Beach. Uh, his name's Willie Jones and uh, he's been around since the 90s in the shop he's in now, but he's he's, he's old-school biker. Uh, he runs a tropical tattoo in Daytona Beach, and uh, ain't nothing but bikes out front, thing. He does, like, the the most, I'd say the, the, the biggest, most famous chopper show in the world is uh, Willie's Cho- uh, tropical uh, tattoo. He has a uh, show called Chopper Tom. He has it in Daytona Bike Week, and he has it in um, Bike Toga Fest, but uh, he's still out there. He's still got his guys doing his thing, but we grew up in that time. It was more of a rough crowd and all that. It wasn't like it is now when you got a bunch of uh, art students that have joined the group, you know?
0: I think uh, the first two or three years I had my first studio, I I was fully prepared to show up and find it burned down uh, any morning because I, after I had opened, I had come to the realization that I might've been too close to a guy up the, up the road. Uh, and, uh, and he was a, you know, he was, he was a biker, one percenter. And, uh, and I put no forethought into it really. I wasn't trying to offend anybody, but after the fact it was brought to my attention and I might be too close and it could have been detrimental to my health. But, uh, overall it worked out all right but yeah it was it was different days back then
2: i gotta tell you something um i had one of those terrible run-ins i had i had i did get uh punched in the face and i got my jaw broke um i lost the tooth i never fixed it so i remember it you know um uh, yeah i got punched right in the face man for being in somebody's territory and it was that guy named junior he uh when Gabe and I first he'll just be by myself tattooing and then I brought then Gabe came in and he started working with me and uh so I feel like safety numbers but this guy I didn't realize you know that, that it was like that but I found out pretty quick and then I got uh one percenters out in front of my place riding by I wait for us to come out and i stay stayed here for three days you know wouldn't come out you know but he ended up catching me in uh in front of a blockbuster video, well, I can say that now, I'm just middle of the one, but, um, yeah, he punched me in my face and broke my jaw and uh, kicked me in my nuts, man, and he looked at me and I looked at him, he's like, he said, you're not gonna do nothing, are you? I was like, no, nah, man, I'm a kid, you're like a scary, grown man, I was holding my jaw. <laughs> so I got, I, I actually was one of the ones that got smacked around, but you know what I did? I Got my mouth wired shut for a little while, and I decided I was going to be him by be a better artist and a better businessman. And years later, I did. I it became my territory, but and I and I realized then that I didn't want to necessarily be like that. But uh,
0: I don't think I that's in your nature, Billy. <laughs> uh,
2: it's not in my nature, but then I realized that I did have to protect the territory and by educating people that don't get homemade tattoos, go to a sterilized place and. You know, uh, I realized that that was that was how I needed to keep home people out of business. Man, I would I do what I could to uh, either push them somewhere where they can learn how to do it or run them off because you know it was a territory thing back then, and it took a while for uh, us to change that. You know, and it took forward thinkers like yourself and myself to. Uh, recognize that young people were like us. They need a place to go. They need to be trained properly. And uh, if they're honest and uh, and they're willing to put in the work, well, we'll put in the work with them. And then we'll-, well,
0: as long as you're willing to work harder than the guy down the road, you'll most likely be more successful than them. I mean, not that it has to be this intense competition of winners and losers. I mean, yep. to be honest with you, there's there's plenty of room for everybody out there as yep. long as they're working hard running a clean shop and trying to be respectful i mean that's that's something that's really missing these days is there's not the respect that uh, was in the industry you know respect slash fear that was in the industry back when i started and uh i I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing
2: i think it's kind of both i mean it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing it's a good thing it's a good thing that we don't have to go out there and pound the nobody around like that guy did, but at the same time, it's a bad thing when you got people that are disrespectful to people like us who have, who had to work with those people, and we went before them to help change industry for the better that it is. And that's one reason why I, I could never watch some of these tattoo shows, because <laughs> when I did and I saw the way they talked to each other, I thought, man, if someone ever talked to me like that, I'd knock their teeth out of their face, man. And Or if I was in like in New Orleans, if anybody, when I was growing up there, working there, if anybody came in here and talked to one of those guys, they would knock the teeth out of their face. You know, it's just like, you don't do that. You, are, you know, you, you have respect, man. And, uh, no, I had a
0: guy, I had a guy that worked for me. That's a uh, quick, quick, funny story is uh, he, he, uh, his, he had the, we both had the front offices before the lobby there and uh, uh, some guy come in on his bicycle Uh, just rolled his bike right in and uh, our receptionist told the gentleman he needed to leave the bike outside and he proceeded to uh, uh, ignore her straddling his bike and still trying to get his questions answered in the shop Uh, and this guy Jamie that worked for me who was a big bear of a man uh, nicest guy but the toughest guy at the same time I proceeded to watch this guy Jamie get up go around to the receptionist area pick this gentleman up On his bicycle, the whole thing and proceeded to toss them both out the front door and, 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 you know, it simple enough. If you can't be respectful, you're not going to be respected, but it it just, just, you couldn't even consider doing something like that nowadays without having, you know, the phone ringing off the hook by uh, the attorneys within an hour. It's just, it's nuts.